Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway's team of former contracting officers and industry pros will make you more prepared, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. Visit skywaymember.com to learn more. The topic today is the wrap-up zone. This is the final in our series covering the execution zones. We have separate episodes for the honeymoon zone, the performance zone, and the recompete zone, and a summary episode that covers all the zones. Let's get started with the wrap-up zone. So we're finally to the ninth inning, the end of the game, the fourth quarter, final seconds. (laughs) Final seconds, that's right. We've gone through all the acquisition time zones. Uh, we've gone through the, all, which is all the pre-award stuff, and we've gone through most of the execution time zones, which is all the post-award stuff. So now we're at the final execution zone, which is the wrap-up zone. And in some cases, it may have been a very long time since that very first zone, the requirement zone. So we've almost come full circle, and we've, we're wrapping up this contract, and we're getting ready to move on to the next one. Right. The beginning of the process, like you said, it, it could have been a long, long time ago for, for this team on on the government side or on the industry side. We start the beginning of the acquisition time zones with the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and then the source selection zone. Then when a contract is awarded, whoop, we move on to the execution time zones, the honeymoon zone, the performance zone, the recompete zone, and now the wrap-up zone. Ta-da! So we have an overview episode for the acquisition time zones. We have an overview episode for the execution time zones, and then there's individual podcast episodes for each of the zones where we get a little more into the details of what happens in each zone. Today is the wrap-up zone. So we're wrapping up our time zone podcasts. Our time zone journey. Before we move on, let's say thanks. At this time, it's Angelique Dimmick. She's a longtime podcast listener and been a big supporter of our content on social media, and she's also a Skyway community member. So thanks, Angelique. Okay, this is the wrap-up zone. The work on the contract is done, or almost done. We've gotten to the end of the performance zone and also the, the kind of overlap with the recompete zone where you're still performing, but you're probably working on the recompete if there's a follow-on. Yeah, I mean, the product has been delivered. The time has expired on the contract. The ceiling is reached. or Basically, the work's done, or, or worst case, it's been terminated. <laughs> but that's all it's done one way or another. That's right. We're done. And so it's time to wrap up and, and close up, move on to the next thing. Right. And so but before you go, it, there's this whole exercise of, of wrapping up everything, which includes things like are there unliquidated obligations, otherwise known as ULOs? Yeah. What's uh, what's that? What's that mean? That, so there's money left on a cost type contract that is not going to be spent because the work is complete that the government's probably want to going to want to going to probably going to deobligate, take off the contract and put back in their pocket to spend on something else. So that's one example. Then there's the final delivery. Make sure everything is officially, like the paperwork is there to prove everything was accepted. Accepted, yeah. There's final payment. There's probably potentially for a service contract, it could be transitioned to a new contractor. And then, of course, there's the whole contract closeout process. Right. So all of those things are happening. And contract closeout is actually probably, actually probably, <laughs> I'm rolling today, Kevin. Contract closeout is usually the longest part of the wrap-up zone, it's, but it's not active. 
So there's lots of stuff that goes on at the beginning of the wrap-up zone, and then it could be dormant for years before the contract closeout activities start. But you mentioned final payment. Final payment, the, the final money back and forth can occur years later at the end of the closeout process. But for purposes of the wrap-up zone, final payment is this is if it's a fixed price contract or whatever, that's easy. It's it's here's all the money that's owed. If it's a cost type contract, it's the final payment for now. It's the we think this is the final payment, final payment. <laughs> for now. So this is why contract closeout is gonna be a whole different. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be so. gotta be way too much to talk about in the closeout world. For now, we'll just say closeout is part of the wrap-up zone, and we'll get back to closeout later. So so whether this is a small, like a C-type contract, or it's a large multiple award, IDIQ, or anything in between, you still have to wrap everything up. So when does the wrap-up zone happen? So it, it's sort of a, a soft date from when the final delivery or final service will be delivered. So So I would say the end of the contract period of performance is when the wrap-up zone starts. But that's not quite true if it's a service-type contract where there's an incumbent and someone else is picking up. And then there's an overlap, a a transition usually, from the old to the new to make sure that things don't drop. And in that case, the wrap-up zone really, if you you lost, then you're you're wrapping it up as you're transitioning out of your old contract. Right. So if, if the simplest way, I think if it's easier to cut and have it a hard date if it's a product because you just stop delivering the product on next day and the new company starts, although it's not quite that simple. And then on services, yeah, there's often going to be some kind of transition. If nothing, the, the, the people are swapping out cat cards. I mean, there's, there's, there's always some kind of transition happening. Right. So the start date is depending on what kind of contract it is. It could look a little differently, but basically you're done with the real work on the contract. The only thing that may be left is transitioning. The end date is pretty easy. That's when the final closeout mod is signed. And like I was saying before, that could be years down the road. And it could overlap several of the acquisition time zones. Yeah. <laughs> it's the next contract being it awarded. Could, uh, it could overlap multiple complete circles of acquisition and execution time <laughs> zones. So the relative length of the wrap-up zone, it depends on the the maturity and the complexity of the contract. So difference between like a simplified acquisition procedure where government buys something, it's delivered, paid, done. Wrap-up zone doesn't really even exist. But on a large like multi-award contract, it could take a while. Yeah, I mean, just, just the transition could be several months. And then on top of that, if you have, like you said, if you have cost-type cleanse or – or for that matter, you just have service contracts with all of the additional costs and, and transition costs. If you have a transition CLIN, which some contracts do, then it's those costs have to be wrapped up in just that CLIN. Yeah. Well, think about the, the complexity of all the things it takes to move over a couple hundred people off of one contractor to another. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of contracts where they they box the transition costs into a separate CLIN so that they can account for them separately than than what the rest of the contract cost. But transition period for something simple could be a week or two. For something complex, I've seen six month transition periods where one contractor has to hand off to the other contract, and and you lost, but you're still on contract. We'll talk about that situation in a minute. Now the other side of this, it could be really easy. Let's say it's a single award contract that's awarded to the incumbent, so the same company won it. And so the co- the bulk of the details are just going to happen during the kickoff meeting. I had one of those where it was a 
a, a contract that the company had had for five years. They recompeted it. They won it again. And basically the discussion at the kickoff meeting, which lasted about this portion of the kickoff meeting was probably 10 minutes of, okay, let's get all the details wrapped up on this contract. Cause now this contract is starting. Right. The requirement hadn't changed that much. So it just was like swap out contract number. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of how it It makes felt. it easy. So what's happening during the wrap up zone, Kevin, this is, this is where you've completed the service. You completed your delivery. You're preparing your final delivery documents. You're doing all these things for the last time. We touched on this already. The idea of your transition to a new contractor. So you're overlapping people in the building. Uh, you're overlapping things like changing out IDs and changing out you know, logins, all that kind of stuff. And in service contracts in particular, if the incumbent lost, they're trying to reassign their employees. So you had this awkward scenario where these people know that they're not going to be in this job anymore, but they got to stay in this job long enough to finish this job. So it's just this weird. Yeah. And it's really hard for industry here. Uh, this, this is a point, right? You've lost the contract. All your employees know that they're going to be out of a job at the end of the transition period for sure. And a lot of times there's a steep ramp down at the end when when this transition is going on where not everyone needs to stay around for the transition. Just part of the team needs to stay around. So everyone on that contract is looking for a new job, either internally in the company or looking for other companies. This is a very, very awkward time, and it's difficult for the losing contractor to maintain those people throughout the transition period. Sometimes there's like stay bonuses that, you know, you get, you get paid extra money if you agree to stay around in this lame duck of a contract. While the ship is sinking. Right. Now, and, and one thing to consider here is this, this concept called incumbent capture where the new contractor is trying to hire the employees of the old company. So that does happen. And we're not trying to like, you know, talk over that, but keep in mind that might not be the same skill set. They may have won the contract with fewer people. Yep. It just there's it's it's more complicated than just oh well just flip the switch and it's you know all of a sudden you work for a new yeah. company because and if you're on the government side this is a really good time to tell the uh, new winner which people you liked and which people you didn't like um, I know it's it you can't pick people that's personal services that's a, another podcast but you know if there's a little whisper of of who you like and who you don't like you might get be able to keep some of the best people despite the fact that a new contractor is doing the work. And you might want to make sure that you don't get the people you don't like back. Yeah, it's a whole separate podcast. Good, good point though. So on on the government side, what what should you be aware of? Well, wh- who has to get what done, right? Like, are, are all the deliveries in? Do we have all the documentation? That's probably the biggest thing here. Is that from the government perspective? You know, Paul, you had mentioned this idea of five years from now when somebody's trying to close out the rates on this contract, they're not going to be able to call you and say, "Hey, did you put this in the file?" their whole story they have is going to be sitting in that file. So preparing all of the files. Yeah, they may not even be able to find you. So all the closeout people have is what's in the file. And keep in mind that another piece of this is make sure that you have, you're leaving with a a strong impression so that you have a good CPARs, you have good past performance. You make sure that you've delivered everything, going back to your point of documenting and making sure you've crossed all all your T's and dotted all your I's. But make sure that they accepted everything, you have documentation of it so that, even if it's six months later when people have moved on or it's just not that important because it's, it's for, you know, looking backward. Right. Most, most people don't want to look backward. <laughs> so, you know, it tends to be the least important thing. And if it's an extra couple hours of phone calls, it just, it's just going to drag on. It just doesn't get done. So the message there is don't run out the door when the contract is over. Industry side is win or lose. They're on to the next thing. Government team is too. They're trying to move on to the next thing, but wrapping things up, 
nicely here saves everyone time and money later. Yeah, and, and they will remember when you don't. That's a good point. This is another one of those shadow of the past situations where if things go badly here, that shadow hangs around for a long time. If you if you don't wrap it up well, what can happen? Yeah, I got a great example of that one. So it was a sole source contract to a company, and they had had the contract for several years. And as the product had kind of developed, it was no longer a sole source, and we could compete it. So we competed it, and they were so frustrated. They were so frustrated that we were competing the contract that they had had as a sole source that they were not being very easy to work with (laughs) in closing out that old contract. So fast forward like six months later, we're in the middle of the source selection, and a lot of the team is dealing with this contract closeout. People who are coming out of left field go, hey, can you close this out? Well, the perception it gave the people, the evaluator, that this company was going to be difficult to work with. Is that fair? No, but these are people. Because the same time you're trying to decide whether or not they should win this contract, their past performance of how well they managed their contract is this ACO calling you being like, dude, i got to close this contract out, and this contract's a mess. Yeah. And, so it's, and it's even messy. even worse, I think, if there is a transition period. You know, This, this was a handoff where they lost. They're not going to get to deliver those anymore. That's what you're talking about. But if there is a transition period – and the outgoing incumbent, you know, burns all the files behind them or erases all, all of the data <laughs> on the network. Oops. You know, that plays a part in how the outgoing, the loser is perceived by the customer when that next competition comes around. This is going to be their last memory of you. And people talk. A better way to do it is to look at it as a time to learn what went well and what didn't go well. And and this could be on the both sides. How many how many contracts have a formal post mortem when it when it's over? How many times do they sit down and say, "Whoo, that one's done"? How did we do? What went well? What didn't go well? And document that. Spread the news. Help other people learn not to make the same mistakes. Yeah, there's a lot to be learned from this concept of building a culture of post mortem because we talk about we talked about doing that after a proposal, right? We talked about doing that after kickoff. Well, it's the same exercise. Pick up this habit of, you know, when you get to these end, actually a really good point for us to talk about at some point is as you get to the end of each time zone, do a postmortem. That, those, yeah. That's an ideal time to look back and go, what worked, what didn't. But it's really hard to stop and think when everything yes, else is. is rolling on, right? So most people don't do it. And the reason this is so valuable is that communication does not stop at this point. Just because the contract ended, you still need both sides want to wrap this up. So like I just used in my story of, of poor communication, frustrating both sides, what you want is the ability to say, okay, we both want to have this done. So communicating throughout the whole contract, throughout the whole performance, carry that over into the to wrap-up zone, whether, whether you won or lost, so this is a smooth transition and you all can just move on. Let's move on to talking specifically about the government side of the, the wrap-up zone. So, so we've entered the wrap-up zone. The work is, is done or, or almost done, but the contract isn't, isn't over yet. Yeah, there, there are four basic ways this could go. There's a seamless scenario. I'll use an example there. We had a service contract where the incumbent won, and basically all the same employees stayed, and it was the same. I was working with the same contracts manager. Everybody's so, all happy and smiley and cooperative. Kumbaya, <laughs> on the campfire. Yeah, exactly. And then there can be a clean one where we had – it was a, a, a contract for a, a facility support. And the company that lost understood what they lost. It was a good debriefing. They got it. It was, a, it was a smooth transition because they said, you know what? We got beat on X, right? So it was clean. That's how to think of that one as a clean transition. Then there could be the awkward one. And this is where somebody says, oh, you know, I, 
I'm really unhappy. I want to like, for example, doing things like protesting the fact that they lost the next contract. And but in the end, they they got it is that we in the end, we lost. They lost two different protests were denied. <laughs> so they finally just gave up and it eventually moved. But on. they weren't necessarily so friendly to to the government or to the the winner as that correct. was going on. And then this is this is competitive. This is you know, this is a this was a personal loss for this yep. company. So it was, yeah. Yep. I and the transition is delayed because all this stuff's going on. Exactly. And, and so that's understandable. The one that's not understandable is this last example where it's challenging. And so this is where somebody loses a contract and they just are so offended. And so let me give you the example here is we had a company that had 15, con- 15 employees managing this contract. In comes somebody else who inserts a whole lot of technology, has a much better process, and has a whole lot more experienced people, does the same work with 10 people. And the I'll call them the loser. Sounds kind of mean. But no, that's the, loser, that's the right word. You lost. It just They could not believe this could be done. And I'm talking like months. I mean, they were calling the core, the, all kinds of yeah. inappropriate stuff. Like, it was painful. So imagine how painful the, the closeout of that contract is. It's like, and of course, I remember the name of that company to this day. Right. Right. I mean, think about it. if they if they're the same thing with protests. If they've lost two protests over it, you can either say, "All right, I'm still still not happy, but I get it, and we're moving on." That's you know the awkward transition that we're talking about. But they could act just like you're talking about, and and you know be destructive and try to undermine the winner. That does not help you in the future. So on the government side, be prepared of, for one of these four. Uh, we're all looking for the, the seamless or clean. And honestly, the, the challenging is that's not as common as you'd think. Yeah. So don't assume that it may be awkward. It's always going to be awkward because right. nobody wants to lose. But you know, be prepared for one of them. I would say more often than not, it's going to feel awkward. Yeah. Remember here, this is personal and this is emotional. If you have lost a recompete where you were doing the work and you have to hand over your baby to someone else – I mean, the, the people are losing their jobs here, right? This this is not a happy time for any of them. It's going to be very difficult for them to be professional and mature about it. Don't add to that on the government side by ignoring the emotion involved. Try not to be too jovial and happy around them and act like it's no big deal. This is if have a little empathy. I think things go a lot more smoothly. And, and another point here is think of yourself as a facilitator. You're facilitating that transition. And, and by the way, it's not just the CEO here. It could be the core. It could be the program manager. I mean, you're, you're transitioning, all right, transitioning the contract. Well, you're facilitating the ability of these two companies to effectively work together or for that matter, for the one that's leaving just to work better with you on their way out the door. Right. Just like you talked about, it's an emotional thing. So think about how to manage that. And I know it sounds very squishy and, 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 and you know, very soft management style, but this, it works when you when you when you treat these things like it's somebody losing their job. How would you feel? It's amazing how much more smoothly they go. Yeah. Before we before we move on to the industry side, two two more points. A poor transition can be disastrous for your mission. So, government folks, this is why you care about the transition. If things get all bungled up here, the contract might never recover. It might never operate smoothly. The second thing is. We haven't really talked about closeout here. It's too too much to talk about here, but closeout can take forever, and it's a contingent liability. So remember, on big cost-type contracts, when rates are finalized years later, you government may owe the contractor money back. Years later, you may owe them money, and 
because of the, the colors of money, the, the time that money is allowed to be obligated, you may not have money from the years that the performance took place, the proper money to pay for it. So you may have to take money out of your current appropriation, out of your pocket now to pay those bills. Just something to remember. We'll, we'll get into those details later. Is that called a new low? <laughs> Negative, unliquidated, all of Negative. Okay, keep going. Industry side. This is the opposite, the, the seamless transition, clean, awkward, challenging. Remember, contract is not over yet if you're on a transition period. The government may assume you're going to be challenging. You can delight them by showing up <laughs> with a good attitude about this and by being helpful. Remember, the decision about who won and lost has already been made. Yeah, no, nothing good can come from being challenged. I, yeah, I, I can't think of a single thing that helps you if you're a jerk about the transition period. If you make it harder on the, on the incoming contractor, if you make it harder on the government, they're going to remember this stuff. You mentioned this before. There's a final CPAR that the government has to sign where they assess your performance on this contract. No matter how good you did before, the final memory that they're having of you is this transition period. If you help with that, it may help your CPAR. If it goes really badly because of you, that's the last thing the government's going to remember when they write your report card. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well. Something else to keep in mind is that the people managing the wrap-up from the government side it might not be something to do very often. And what I mean by that is if they're used to awarding five-year contracts, like if certain agencies, that's all they have, right? So this, is, this doesn't happen very often. So don't be surprised if they're not really as fluid on the steps on, on what has to happen yeah. and how to manage it. That's, which, that's why we're doing this whole podcast episode about it, is this is not something that we dealt with as much, but we did it enough to realize, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> and oh, this Right. Didn't. I'll circle back again to documentation, industry side. One thing that happens a lot of time in industry is mergers and acquisitions. Remember that. Lots of small companies get bought by bigger companies. Big companies merge together. When that happens, records become very difficult to maintain, whether they're paper or electronic. Document this stuff so that you don't have nightmares later in closeout trying to find documentation or get it counted against you when you can't prove that something happened. All right, that was a little aside. I will whine about that a lot when we get to the close that episode, but not today. There are so many rabbit holes to go down in this <laughs> I, I said close out, so I'll say again, just like on the government side, close out can take forever. It is a contingent liability for you in the industry. When your rates are finalized years later, you may owe the government money back. Way after you cared about this contract, you may get a bill. Ouch. And don't forget, I mean, this is an opportunity to learn more so that you can win more next time. You, this is an ideal spot to collect lots of information on, on how the overall transition went. On, so you're writing your transition plan next time for all kinds of details of what's happening inside the organization. If you've never actually been on the winning side of a transition, but you're the outgoing That's contractor here and you think it went well, this is a great time to collect information on how the other folks handled the transition to make it easy so that when you write your next proposal, you have a great idea how to write a transition plan of how to make it go well. There you go. There's just, it's a huge opportunity to see it inside the process that you wouldn't get otherwise. It's, so it's kind of like that's the upside of the fact that you aren't going to be working there anymore. <laughs> that's not much of an upside. That's all you got, man. Sorry. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, Kevin. So uh, my, my big takeaway is, is that you know, contracts, they have, they're supposed to have an end. Yep. All, all of them. 
kind of an end, right? So be ready for that, and that's why this zone exists yes. is to explain the finish. Yep. On it. Stick with it. Just because you lost, just because the period of performance is coming to an end, don't run off and follow the next great shiny object, right? You got to stick with it to the end. And on, on the government side, you don't take this lightly. This is something that finishing the contract cleanly is going to save you a lot of time. Because if you don't, you end up causing contract issues that, that drag on potentially for years, like we talked about. And it's also, it could impact the start of the next contract. These are both critical points in time. The documentation is going to matter. So on the government side, make sure you're documenting everything and making it as smooth as you can. On the industry side, I would say don't expect this is something the entire government team has dealt with before. As contracts get bigger and more complicated and, and, and longer, <laughs> they, they end, in quotes, less frequently, right? Yep. The government team may not have actually wrapped up a contract before. For that matter, you may not have either. Communication matters here. The government acquisition workforce right now is younger than it has been in a long, long time. There's there's just not a lot of people that have been around to experience a lot of these things yet, and experience helps. Last thing I want to say, and I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to say this again, but I, I, I believe the government closeout process is broken. It takes too long. There's too much effort involved, and I'm not sure for most contracts what the benefit is of reassessing the costs years after all the performance is done for relatively minor adjustments in the final cost. My personal belief, having been involved on both sides, is that it would be a lot easier if there were quick closeout procedures available for a wider range of acquisitions where the thresholds for even a formal closeout are raised to where, for the most part, contract closeout is a given when the contract is over. While everything's still fresh on both sides' minds, while all the documentation is still available, we can agree that this is done and gone wash our hands of it, and not spend all the time and money, all the taxpayer money, years later trying to figure out what went on. I, th I, think, I think government and industry folks, you'd find a large percentage of them to, uh, to agree that we need to wrap these things up quickly and let them go away. Maybe not on multi-billion dollar things. There, there's got to be sanity here. I believe that there's a lot of room to improve the clo closeout process that won't make a big difference to either side's pocketbook, but will save us all as taxpayers a lot of money. And that's why the contract closeout episode is going to be very interesting. <laughs> all right. Done speechifying. <laughs> speechifying. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right. See you, Paul. Okay. That's it for this episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skyway Acquisition. To see if you're a fit for the Skyway community, go to askskyway.com and schedule a time to talk to Kevin. Remember, send your questions, comments, complaints, or topic ideas to paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. Which is funny. I'm like being quiet and pointing. I'm going to cut all that anyway. Um. <laughs> so where, where do you want me to start? Sorry, I had a, a burp. I was trying not to interrupt your flow, and I did anyway. <laughs>